Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. The world economy is going to collapse. And did you know the Bible predicts that there is a day coming when the Dow Jones and every other average will go to zero and it will never recover. And it's that day that we're going to look at today in our study of the book of Revelation. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, when times are uncertain, we often experience the negative effects of a rocky stock market. But Revelation chapter 18 describes an even worse time when the entire world economy will completely crumble. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress describes a time in the last days when people will be left with nothing except the clothes on their backs. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. God has given me favor to write a number of books in my lifetime, but none that parallels the magnitude of my commentary on Revelation. Truly, my book called Final Conquest represents the culmination of my lifetime of study in this final book of the Bible. And if you only have one book in your collection of Bible study tools that have my name on the front cover, this would be the one that I suggest. Why? Revelation puts us in touch with Jesus, the King of Kings, who is victorious in the final conquest. I'd be happy to send you a hardbound copy of my commentary on Revelation when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. In fact, while supplies last, I'll also include the 40-page booklet that I've written called Bible Prophecy Made Simple. Well, every single person within the sound of my voice right now has been impacted by the coronavirus in one way or another. As we open our Bibles to Revelation 18, I want to speak with you about the implications of the global pandemic and whether or not COVID-19 signals the soon return of our Lord. This sermon was delivered, as you will hear, at the peak of the pandemic, but its message is still relevant today. I titled my message, The Day the Dow Jones Hits Zero. If you have your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 to 3, an announcement of judgment against Babylon. Look at it with me. After these things, I, that is John, saw another angel, like the one who had announced the earlier destruction. I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. What does John mean? What does the angel mean by Babylon? Remember, in 17, it referred to a religious system. But in chapter 18, it refers to both a system and a city that was the capital of that system. I've used this analogy before, but just think of Wall Street. When we think about, oh, Wall Street had a bad day today. Bad day on Wall Street. Are we talking about that little area in southern Manhattan, Wall Street, a geographical location, or are we talking about the system? We're talking about the system. We're talking about the economic 
measure of our entire health, uh, Wall Street, the stock averages. It's the same way here. When the angel announces Babylon has fallen, he's talking about the system, but he's also talking about the capital city behind that system. Because over and over in this uh, chapter, we find the description of Babylon as that great city, the great city and system of Babylon. Now look at the appeal for believers to leave Babylon, beginning in verse four. I heard another voice from heaven, and most likely this is the voice of God himself, saying, come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive of her plagues. Angels don't have people they can command to do certain things. So this is God saying, I want my people who are living in Babylon to come out of Babylon, not participate in her sins and receive my judgment. Now, who is he talking about? Well, remember, although all Christians will be raptured prior to the beginning of tribulation, there will be people who will be saved during the tribulation. They will pay a great price to be saved. Many will be martyred. They will be persecuted. But there will be believers living in Babylon and under this system. And what he's saying is, I want you to come out of Babylon. Now, he's not talking about geographically leaving Babylon, the command throughout scripture is we are to be in the world without being of the world. God's will for you and me is not to go live in some monastery or hunker down in a bunker someplace and wait for the end to come. God doesn't want us out of the world. We're to influence this world. We're to be in the world without adopting the values of the world. That's what he's saying here. Come out from her. Don't participate in her sins. What were the sins? Well, there were many sins in Babylon, but the root sin that fueled this economic system was greed. The desire for more and more and more. You know, when you look in scripture, many times it is that desire for more are different that dissatisfaction with what you have, whether it be your salary, your bank account, your spouse, your house, it's that desire for more or different that is at the root of most every other sin. It was the root problem in Eden that caused Adam and Eve to sin. They weren't content with their situation. They wanted more, they wanted different. That's what the problem here was. It was the problem of greed. Look at verse five. For Babylon's sins have piled up as high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Her sins have piled up. This is a direct allusion to Genesis chapter 11, the original founding of the city of Babel. And remember, they built that tower as a sign of their rebellion against the true God. And they built that tower brick upon brick upon brick upon brick. That's the way sin is. Sin upon sin upon sin upon sin until we build that wall of separation between God and us. Her sins have piled up as far as heaven. I'll say more about that in a moment. So what's the remedy? Verse six for the sin. Look, pay her back, God, even as she has paid and give Babylon back to her double according to her deeds. And the cup in which she has mixed makes twice as much for her. To the degree that she has glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree, give her torment. 
This is what we call in scripture and in the legal world, Doug, you know it well, lex talionis, the law of retribution. It's the basis of the Mosaic law. It's the basis of almost every legal system in the world today. The law of retribution, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You punish people according to their sin. You give them back not only what they deserve, but in this case, double what they deserve. Now, I know you read this and you think, what? Now, that's kind of strange. God, don't you need to settle down a little bit? That's a little angry, isn't it? Remember what your son said, you know, turn the other cheek. Shouldn't we be forgiving instead of want retribution? Listen, there is a difference between vengeance and justice. When somebody offends us, we are never to seek vengeance. You know what vengeance is? It's hurting somebody else because they hurt me. And when we forgive, we give up our right for vengeance, but we can never give up our desire for justice. What is justice? Justice is the punishment God requires for my offender. When we say, I'm going to give up vengeance, we're saying, I'm not going to try to settle the score myself. Instead, I'm going to ask for justice. That's to allow God or somebody else to settle the score on my behalf. Remember Paul's words in Romans 12? He said, do not return evil for evil. Never take your own revenge, but instead leave room for the wrath of God. For as the Lord says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Look, if you've been hurt deeply by somebody else, if you try to take vengeance yourself, it will only lead to bitterness on your part. Let God settle the score. He can do it a lot more effectively than you can. That's what we do when we forgive. We give up our desire for vengeance. We should never give up our desire for justice. What you see happening to Babylon is justice. It's God settling the score. Look at verse eight. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire for the Lord God who judges her is strong. It's gonna happen in one day. This great city and system will be destroyed. You know, we have a precedent for terrible economic calamities that occurred in one day. October 29th, 1929 is known as Black Tuesday when the stock market just about collapsed. Or even in more recent days, September 16th, 2008, our banking system just about collapsed had it not been for the Federal Reserve loaning $85 billion to the AIG Corporation. All of those are just a precursor to that final collapse that will come. By the way, here's a great warning for anybody who puts their trust in their money, in their stocks, in their possessions. In Proverbs 23, verse 5, Solomon, the richest man of his day, said, cast but a glance at riches and they fly away, for they will surely sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Have you ever had that happen with your money? One day you have it, the next day it just kind of flies away, it disappears. That is how transitory wealth is. It can disappear overnight. 
What's the result of God's judgment? Look beginning at verse 9, the anguish over the destruction of Babylon. First of all, the anguish of the kings. Verse 9, and the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensuously with her will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, woe, woe. The great city, Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour, your judgment has come. There's great anguish with, with the 10 kings, the rulers, as they see the economic system destroyed. And there, then there's the anguish of the merchants themselves, those who are buying and selling goods. Look at verse 11. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo anymore. And then John lists all of the things that can no longer be bought or sold. They just sit on the shelf. Haven't we seen that in these last several months? Stores closed. Some stores, chains filing for bankruptcy. There's no longer any ability or desire to buy and to sell. And then you see the anguish not only of the kings and the merchants, but also of the seafarers, the sailors. Look at verse 17. And in one hour, such great wealth has been laid waste, and every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor, and as many as make their living by the sea, the cruise lines, for example, they stood at a distance, and they were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads. That's a sign of mourning. We're crying and weeping. Woe, woe, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour, she has been laid waste. You know, as John describes these sailors in their ships looking at a distance at the destruction of Babylon. Every time I read that, I think of that site from September 11th, 2001 after the attacks on the Twin Towers in Manhattan. Do you remember that picture? The towers were still standing. They were on fire. And remember that picture of New York Harbor? All the boats that were in New York Harbor, they had pushed out from Manhattan and they were watching from a distance to what was happening to that great city. Again, that is just a forerunner of what's going to happen one day. Throughout this passage is a reminder of why we shouldn't put our hope and build our affection around riches. Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 21, Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Could I ask you, where is your treasure today? What is it you really value? If it's here on earth, remember it's all going to be either be destroyed or left behind when you die. But if your treasure is in heaven, nothing will ever destroy it for all eternity. Verse 20, the acclamation finally of praise over Babylon God says in verse 20, rejoice over her, O heavens, and you saints and apostles and prophets, that is all believers, because God has pronounced judgment for you against her. Babylon is the system that oppressed people, but especially 
Christians. And that's why Christians can rejoice when God's justice is executed. Look at this, verse 21. Then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. When he talks about the destruction of this great city, is he talking about Babylon itself, the ancient city that's rebuilt? Maybe. Maybe he's referring to Babylon as a code like Peter does in 1 Peter 5.13 for Rome. Perhaps it's code for some other city, London, Rome, Hong Kong, perhaps New York City. But you know, whatever the city is, everybody will be amazed at how quickly that great city was destroyed. When I look at our world today, no one would argue with the fact that New York City is the center of the entire world economic system. And yet, we can look at it now, how quickly New York City was brought to its knees. Have you seen those pictures of just the empty streets of Manhattan everywhere? It is unbelievable what's happened to that city. As I've read this description of the things that will cease in Babylon, I thought about New York City Verse 22 says, and the sound of harpist and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer. There'll be no more music. Have you seen those pictures of every Broadway theater in Manhattan boarded up, closed? Never been anything like that in its history before. Not only that, it says, no craftsman of any craft will be found in you any longer. Right now, there are literally hundreds of thousands of square feet of the most expensive office space in the world in New York City, they're empty. It's empty, they can't do work there. And not only that, the sound of a mill will not be heard in you any longer. That's referring to the production of food throughout our country. We've seen meat processing facilities, other food production systems shut down as well. And look at this, verse 23, and the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. There'll be no longer any light. Could that be a failure or an attack on the electrical grid in our country and in our world? And not only that, the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were great men of the earth because all of the nations were deceived by your sorcery. People won't be getting married. They either won't be able to or they won't want to during that period of time. Verse 24, and in her, Babylon, was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all of those who have been slain on the earth. Remember, this economic system that is destroyed by God is the very same system that Antichrist uses to deprive Christians of food and other things they need to survive. Remember, under this economic system, if you do not receive the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy or to sell. That's why he says it was in Babylon that the blood of the prophets was found. What is the sin of Babylon that God punishes? It's the sin of greed, which is really idolatry. But listen to me. The sins of society are really the sins of the individuals who make up that society. The sin of greed that not only will be a part of the future Antichrist empire, but is part of our economy right now. The sin of greed in America 
is the sin of greed of Americans and even Christians. And I'd ask you right now, what is it that you're worshiping? What is it that you have built your life and your hope and your happiness and security around? Is it in material possessions? Is it in money? You know, the greatest antidote to the problem of greed is contentment. Being satisfied with what God has already provided, that's the secret to combating greed. I want to go back as we close to verse 10 for a moment. Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, for in one hour your judgment has come. Remember I said that's an allusion to Genesis chapter 11 and the building of that first ancient city of Babel and the tower that they wanted to build as a sign of their rebellion against God. I want you to think about this for a moment. When they started building that tower, when they put the first brick down, God didn't destroy the tower. When they placed the second brick on top of that first brick, he didn't do a thing. God allowed them to build that tower brick after brick, after brick, after brick. And finally, without one word of pre-announcement, God came and visited the city of Babel and brought his resulting judgment. That's how God does. God doesn't always judge sin in our lives immediately. There's some of you listening right now, some in this worship center, you're building a life apart from God. Brick by brick, sin by sin. And frankly, you're surprised God hasn't judged you yet for it. Let me give you a great word of warning from my own experience. Don't confuse God's patience with God's tolerance for sin. If God hasn't judged you yet for the sin in your life, it's only for one reason. It's because of his patience, his love for you. God is not slow about his promise, the Bible says. He's not willing that any should come into judgment, but all should receive a knowledge of the truth. Don't confuse God's patience with God's tolerance for your sin. God's giving you time to repent, but never forget that God's judgment will eventually come. It will come suddenly, and it will come completely. That's the message that comes from the story of Babylon. I've asked David to explain in a moment how you can receive a complete collection of CDs and DVDs containing my entire teaching series on Revelation. By owning the series, you'll hear far more teaching than we've had time to share on this program. The book of Revelation is filled with mysterious symbols and fantastic future events, but it's primarily a book that points us to Jesus. By reading my commentary on Revelation, you'll begin to discover the glory of Christ's triumphant return and what his victory means in the here and now. Please, while there's still time, be sure to request a copy of my book, Final Conquest. A copy of the commentary is yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Now, before I turn this program back to David, let me add one very important observation. In the busyness of life, we don't always get around to doing everything we intend to do. For example, some friends I know have been intending to give a ministry gift to Pathway to Victory, 
but they just haven't gotten around to it this year. Others have been listening to this program for several months or maybe even years and have been intending to give but have never taken that first step. Whatever your circumstance, I'd like to invite you to make that gift you've been meaning to give today by going to ptv.org. Your gift during this important time will empower us to boldly proclaim the gospel throughout our nation and around our world. Thank you so much for your generosity. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. When you support the ministry of Pathway to Victory by giving a generous gift, we'll say thanks by sending you a copy of Final Conquest, a verse-by-verse commentary on the book of Revelation from the ministry of Dr. Robert Jeffress. You'll get that along with a copy of the booklet titled Bible Prophecy Made Simple. Call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. And when you give an especially generous gift of $125 or more, you'll also receive the complete CD and DVD teaching sets for this month's series on the book of Revelation. It's called Final Conquest. Plus, we'll send you a copy of the best-selling book by Dr. Jeffress, The Rapture, Fact or Fantasy? One more time, our phone number, 866-999-2965, or go to ptv.org. Or you could write to us, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Every day, extravagant weddings take place all around the world. But none can match the splendor of the greatest celebration of all time. Learn about the wedding feast of the Lamb. That's Wednesday on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. Join Dr. Robert Jeffress on an unforgettable trip to Israel. You've read about places like the Mount of Olives and the Plain of Megiddo. Isn't it time to see these remarkable sights for yourself? Join us on the Pathway to Victory Bible Prophecy Tour of Israel. To learn more, go to ptv.org.